Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Well, this is the first Sunday of Advent. I love this season. And Advent is that season of preparation for the coming, which is what Advent means, the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And um, it's one of the few formal things that we do around here is to light this wonderful Advent wreath that was built by us for a member of our church who has since gone to be with the Lord. And, and what it does, it has four candles in around, and then a Christmas candle in the middle. And each of the four weeks symbolize something about our preparation to receive Jesus and to celebrate him. And uh, today we're going to be lighting the prophecy candle. And it talks about the prophecies of the Old Testament that, you know, for so long people waited for Jesus. Yeah. I mean, centuries, centuries. He's coming. Hang on, he's coming. It's, it's kind of like how we maybe feel about his return, you know? It's like he's coming. Hang on. He's coming back. He's coming back. And we kind of hang on to that, don't we? And, and Well, that's how it was for his first coming. Hang on. Hang on. He's coming. And in Isaiah chapter 9 is the wonderful passage that talks about his coming. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. Amen? Come on, church. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. We just sang, sang, he's under our feet. For every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Why? It says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There is so much that we could celebrate in this passage I love that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Don't you love the way a small light will just shatter darkness? I love the way it says, of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. So this will increase. (laughs) This will increase. I have faith. This will increase. And the government of Jesus, the reign of Jesus, is increasing, isn't it? I love the way that it says, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of you, like me, hear Handel's Messiah in your head, right? And then, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. (laughs) That he shall reign forever. We're, we're in this with him for eternity, and he's in this with us for eternity. His government is increasing, his reign is increasing, and will culminate in his return, 
And we're in this forever. He shall reign forever and ever. And then that last line that it's the zeal of the Lord Almighty that will accomplish this. The zeal that the Lord is zealous. He's not just doing this because he has to. He's zealous for us. I was thinking of a song this week. It goes, he is zealous for me. I don't remember the rest of it. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Father in heaven, we bow before you today and we're so grateful for your coming. We're so grateful for the light that has shattered our darkness, for the hope that has shattered our despair, for the peace that has shattered our chaos, and for the way that you have just come, Lord, and you have called us to be your sons and daughters through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we come in his name, and we celebrate this first step toward the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful celebration of the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Tom, and good morning, church. It's good to be with all of you today. My name is Christian Root. I'm the associate pastor here, and I'm, I'm really privileged and thankful I get to share this morning. And I have to be honest this morning, this was not the sermon that I was planning to give earlier in the week. And so as, as Pastor Tom just shared, today marks the beginning of Advent, and I was anticipating beginning our new Advent series. But on, on Wednesday... Right before the holiday, when much of my sermon prep was already done, I, I felt like the Lord told me to head in a different direction. And so here we are. And I, I felt like the Lord was asking me to preach on giving thanks, on giving thanks. And certainly that makes sense as we're fresh off the heels of our, our Thanksgiving holiday. But I, I believe the Lord wanted to turn our attention to the importance of giving thanks because of the year that we've just had because of the season that we find ourselves in currently. For the truth is, church, it is in our times of greatest difficulty, of, give, of greatest struggle when giving thanks is most needed. Do you know that? We need to hear the words this morning of John of Avila, who said this. He said, one act of thanksgiving when things go wrong is worth a thousand thanks when things are agreeable to our inclination. Our, our buddy John was saying that in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of our Father in heaven, one act of thanksgiving when life is hard, when it's frustrating, is as valuable as a thousand thank yous when life is easy and just working in your favor. When the Buckeyes are on and they're winning and no one has COVID. Is that too soon? Okay, moving on. You know, because when we give thanks when life is challenging, we're saying to God, in effect, Father, even in hard times, I recognize that I have been given more than I deserve. Even now as I struggle, I recognize that everything in my life, Father, has been handed to me by you. Church, when we choose to say thank you in difficult times, we're saying to our Father, even amidst my current hardship, you are still worthy of thanksgiving, you're still worthy of praise, still worthy of my life, still worthy of anything and everything I could ever bring you, Father. Amen.
The fact is, church, we have to fight to remain thankful. It is a fight. For as Charles Spurgeon reminds us, he says, we are too prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. Isn't that a good quote? Isn't that true? Friend, have you seen this in your own life? I know I've seen it in mine. Have you found that when you recall the the events of the past years, you look back at 2020, that you tend to fixate on on what went wrong as opposed to recalling what went right? Have you noticed that it's easier to dwell on the fact that your, your furnace went out this year and that you had to get knee surgery and your favorite tree in your backyard died and you weren't able to celebrate your 25th wedding anniversary like you had planned? Instead of dwelling on the fact that your car, remarkably, is still humming along, and your sister fully recovered from COVID, and you were able to keep your job, and your granddaughter was born without complications, and your health insurance actually works. Church, not to mention that your name is still written in the book of life, that your sins are still forgiven, and you are still known by Jesus, the Messiah and the creator of this universe. I'm going to jump into some scripture before I get too fired up too early here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. These are three of my favorite verses in the Bible. These are verses that many of us, I, I know, are quite familiar with. And this is what we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And if you have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and underline that little phrase, in all circumstances. Just just boldly underline that. In all circumstances. Even in the midst of a pandemic. Even if you've just spent your first Thanksgiving ever away from extended family. Even when your hours at work are still cut and you're just scraping by. And even when you're forced to watch church online because... Your health conditions simply don't allow you to join in a bigger room. And and you know, church, in a year like 2020, many of us have found ourselves asking the question, what is the Lord's will for my life? Or what is the Lord's will for our family? Should we homeschool or should I leave my job to stay at home with the kids? Is, Is this the right time to switch careers? Is this the right time to accept the buyout and retire? But you know, thankfully, the will of The will of God for our lives, it's not always opaque. It's not always difficult to discern. For right here in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul offers us insight into the will of God for our lives. Rejoice always, Paul says. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this, what is God's will for you in Christ Jesus? Friend, do you you want to know God's will for your life? Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And and you know, church, I have found that when we obey God's revealed will, when we obey what is crystal clear to us because it's written for us in the pages of Scripture, then his particular will for our lives becomes easier to discern as well. Have you discovered this yet? That when you obey the clear teachings as they're laid out in Scripture, then it becomes easier to discern what God is asking of you as an individual. It, it makes absolutely no sense 
to be praying night and day. Father, do you want me to move across the country? Do you want me to marry this person? Do you want me to retire? Do you want me to serve in this capacity while running roughshod over the clear commands of Scripture as they're laid out for us? Friend, do you need insight in your life right now? Do you need guidance? Do do you need a word from the Lord? Then my encouragement to you would be to put your nose in the book that we've been given to observe the commands that Jesus has for us. And as you do this, in his grace, in his mercy, he's going to make his ways known to you. He's going to put you on the right path. Now, let me be clear here. Giving thanks to God is one of the easiest Christian practices to affirm and one of the hardest practices to consistently perform. No one speaks poorly of giving thanks No one rails about the dangers of a thankful heart, all right? This is the least controversial sermon topic I will ever cover in my life. No one's picketing those who give thanks, all right? In fact, even those outside the church recognize the value of giving thanks, even if they're not thanking a personal God. But while giving thanks is so easy to affirm, it's so easy to approve, It can be hard to actually do. It is so hard to actually live out. You know, when you wake up after a bad night of sleep and you open your journal to pray with a cup of coffee in your hand, or you step into your shower and you attempt to pray early in the morning for a few minutes, giving thanks isn't often where we turn first, is it? And when you're driving to work and you find that 270 is completely backed up, Or when your kid spills their bowl of Cheez-Its in the backseat of your car. Our natural inclination, it's just not to turn to the Lord and give thanks. It's not how most of us are wired. It's not what we do. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we would become people who not only recognize the value of giving thanks, but actually practice it, but actually do it. You know, eight-year-old Christian learned pretty quickly that if I recognize the value of brushing my teeth but I don't actually do it, my teeth don't get clean. In a similar vein, church, it does not do us any good to recognize the value of thanksgiving without actually practicing it on a regular basis. And so I want to offer us three reasons this morning why giving thanks is an urgent need for us in 2020 in the hopes, in the prayer, that we will not become people who who simply recognize the value of giving thanks, but become people who actually do it. And I'm going to give you three points today that all start with the letter E to make it nice and simple. And so here's my first point, all right? Why is giving thanks essential? Because giving thanks helps defeat our sense of entitlement. Entitlement. You know, while many of us might be reluctant to admit it, particularly in a context like this, it is easy to gradually fall for the lie that suggests that the blessings in our lives are the result of our own doing. We don't say that out loud, we don't admit that to others, but it's just easy to kind of carry that around. In the, in the back of our mind, we think, well, of, of course I've made good money, for I'm a, I'm a really hard worker. And of course my kids are doing well in school, for I'm, I'm heavily invested in their schoolwork. And of course, I've been asked to step into leadership in the church. I'm emotionally intelligent, and I'm fun to be around, and I'm really reliable. But as we slow down, church, as we slow down and we take stock of the blessings in our lives, 
As we give thanks for them one by one, we are reminded that virtually none of the blessings we've been given are the result of our own ingenuity or brilliance. Take some time to slow down, but when we do, when we take stock, we realize this. As we give thanks, we're reminded that our, even though our husband or wife might still be with us, even though our, our marriage might be relatively healthy, we're probably not up for any Spouse of the Year awards, if we really think about it. I mean, none of us are perfect spouses. All of us have blind spots. All of us have weak spots. I know a few of you are like, no, I am up for the Spouse of the Year award. I promise you, you're not. I promise you. Talk to your spouse. Ask them. Sweetheart, do, do you think I'm up for the Spouse of the Year? And you know, if your kids are fairly stable... As we thank God, we remember that it's not the result of our model parenting. For we screw up as parents all of the time. And if you would say, I never screw up as a parent, give it some time, okay? <laughs> Just give it six months. And you know, if, you, if you're relatively healthy, as you give thanks, you're reminded that it's not because your diet's perfect. It's not because of the laps that you swim at the Y. And it's not because you always keep it right at 65 miles an hour on the highway. No, people who are much healthier than us, people who exercise more than us, and who on the whole are more cautious than us, have received terrible diagnoses and been involved in awful, tragic accidents. You know, there's an old adage that says, if you see a turtle on the top of a fence post, you know that he had some help in getting up there. You know that someone picked that turtle up and they placed them on the fence post. And in the same way, giving thanks, church, it reminds us that if our life is working to any degree, if our family is relatively stable, if our finances are in order, if our faith in Jesus is solid, then it means that we've been placed on the fence posts by our Lord. We've been given help that we couldn't provide for ourselves. The blessings, church, in our life are not the byproduct of our own cleverness or brilliance. And the blessings in our life have not been given to us because we deserve them either. You know, one of the prevailing religious worldviews in our day is the concept of karma. Karma, to put it very broadly, to speak in very broad strokes, it's, it's the Hindu and the Buddhist belief that our world is governed by a cycle of cause and effect. And when it's spoken of in the West, when it's spoken of in America, karma typically refers to the belief that, that whatever comes into someone's life, whether good or bad, it's the result of, of their prior behavior. And so when a corrupt politician is exposed or when a kind single parent wins the lottery, often you'll hear someone say, well, that's, that's karma for you. Now, I want to be clear that the Bible does teach that our decisions do matter. The Bible does assert that we reap what we sow and that there is often a, a cause and effect relationship between our decisions and subsequent actions or outcomes. But the Bible also gloriously, wonderfully proclaims the reality of grace, of grace. 1 John 1.16 says, Out of his fullness, out of the Lord's fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. I love that. Grace in place of grace. Here's some grace, now here's some more. Grace on top of grace on top of grace. Followers of Jesus are recipients of this unmerited, 
unearned favor of God that we call grace. And so of all people in this world, followers of Jesus should be the first to say, I thank God that karma is not a governing force in this universe. I thank God that I have not been given what I deserve. A follower of Jesus who understands the grace of God, who has even a bit of self-awareness, should look at their life and say, Father, I haven't deserved the people that you've put in my life. I haven't deserved the blessings that come from living in such a prosperous country where I have access to the latest medical advancements. I haven't deserved the way in which you provided for me, in which you protected me and comforted me. And as a sinner, as someone who is steeped in sin, as someone who has betrayed you, Father, and run after false gods, I haven't deserved the gift of eternal life that was secured for me on the cross. I haven't deserved any of it. That should be the constant refrain of a follower of Jesus. Giving thanks, friends. It protects us from entitlements, protects us from the lie that suggests that we have earned or deserve the blessings in our life. Secondly, why is giving thanks essential? Because giving thanks exalts the Lord. Giving thanks honors and glorifies our Lord. I'm, I'm going to get a quick drink here, so talk amongst yourselves. I'll just be right back here. All right. Oh, there it is. Giving thanks exalts the Lord. And by exalts, I just mean giving thanks that honors and glorifies our God. Our God, singular, there we go. God. Listen, have you ever been in a large group setting and made a funny comment to the person next to you? And then five minutes later, you heard that same person share it in front of the whole group and they get this huge laugh. Isn't that extremely annoying, or is that just me? Maybe I'm the only person petty enough to really get annoyed at that kind of thing. But because in my head, I'm thinking, hey, that was my line, all right? That was my bad pun, or that was my witty anecdote, and now they're taking all of the credit. Have you ever been there? Or have you ever worked on a big project in school or at the office and and done most of the work yourself, only to find that when it's time to present the project, someone a bit more brash, Someone a bit more self-confident, they shoved their way forward and did most of the presenting so that they received the bulk of the credit for the group project. Isn't that the worst? Have you ever been there? Because again, you're thinking, these are my ideas. This is my hard work. I was the one who stayed up until 1 a.m. getting this project done. Friend, one of the reasons why we thank God for the blessings in our lives Is because we want to be people who say, Father, I recognize that everything in my life that is good has come to me by you. It's come to me from you. I I don't want these good things that you've given me to be attributed to anything or anyone else. I want you to receive full credit. I want you to receive all of the praise. I want you to be acknowledged as the author of all that is good in my life. I agree with the psalmist when he says in, six, in Psalm 16, verse 2, apart from you, I have no good thing. Apart from you, Lord, there is nothing in my life that is good. Everything has been given to me by you. Listen, if you've ever received flowers from a, a flower company, or if you've ever received a, a gift, a package from Amazon, 
My, my guess is that when the delivery man or the delivery woman brought you the flowers or they brought you the package, you, you might have politely thanked them. You know, that's a courtesy. Hey, thank you for bringing this package. Thanks for the flowers. But you didn't get out of your chair and you didn't wrap your arms around the delivery person and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for these flowers. Thank you so much for this gift. How did you know that I needed this? Well, why not? Because you understood that this was just the delivery man, that this was just the delivery person. What did you do instead? You, you got on the phone and you called up the person who sent you the flowers, the person who sent you the gift. You, you phoned them up, you texted them, and you thanked them. They were the real provider of the gift. You recognized that. The delivery person, they were, they were, just, they were just the messenger. They were just the means through which the gift came to you. And friends, it is true that the Lord uses all different types of messengers of means to bring blessings into our lives. He utilizes tax returns and good friends and good meals and beautiful weather and the perfect song at the perfect moment to bring joy into our lives. He does. But let us not forget who is ultimately behind these blessings. Let us not forget who the original sender was. It was the Lord. And while our Father uses many vehicles, many messengers, many delivery systems to bring us blessing, He is always the source. He's always behind it. James chapter 1 verse 17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. I love that. Every sunrise, every good night of sleep, every strong cup of coffee, every good piece of music, every book that you read at just the right time. You ever have that happen to you? Where it's like the Lord just brought this right at the right time. Yes, I'm thankful for the author, but I'm thankful that the Lord just brought it right when I needed to hear it. Every encouraging word that you've ever received from a friend, he is the source. He made it happen. And so, yes, praise the song. Praise the friend's encouragement. Praise, praise the good cup of coffee. But remember, that, that's just the delivery man. That's just the Amazon truck driver. Remember who the ultimate source is. It is the Lord. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Let us not fixate, let us not focus, let us not give all of our attention, all of our praise to the delivery system. Let us remember the original source. Let's give credit where credit is due. And let us thank the Lord for the good things in our life, that he might be exalted, that he might be lifted up and glorified through our thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. Lastly, here's my last point for today. Giving thanks, it, it helps us to endure, to endure. That's the third E for us. Friends, if, if we want to be people who follow Jesus well for the long haul, who continue to serve and make sacrifices for the Lord, even in a year like 2020, we need to be people who regularly give thanks. You just need to give thanks. You, you want to be someone who doesn't just shrivel up into a shell like a tortoise when life gets hard. It just doesn't say, okay, well, I'll start serving when, fill in the blank, when I'm feeling a little healthier, or when, when the pandemic is over, or when I get back on my feet, or when, when things clear up in my family. If you want to be someone who endures, who serves the Lord in season and out of season, 
When you feel like it and when you don't. When you're on top of the world, when you're on cloud nine, and when life is just a slow slog. You want to serve the Lord in every season. You need to learn how to give thanks. Because giving thanks reminds us, church, of the faithfulness of God. As we give thanks, we're reminded that Psalm 36, verse 5, really is true. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. I love that. I love that your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Listen, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you know that following Jesus, it doesn't make you immune to disappointment, to loss, to suffering. We talked about that last week with Pastor Tom and his great message. And so how do we endure through these moments of suffering or loss? How do we endure? How do we continue to follow Jesus well when we find that the lump isn't benign? Or when our girlfriend doesn't want to continue the relationship with us. Or when caring for our child with special needs just feels overwhelming. Well, our our culture would point us to pop psychology. We just need to be positive. We just need to forget our negative thoughts. And, And you can read book after book. You can listen to televangelist after televangelist just tell you, well, you just need to be more positive. It's pop psychology. Or the wisdom of our culture would point us to probabilities. Well, you know, the probability that this cancer would end in death is is quite low. Or, you know, the probability that you're still going to be single at 35, statistically, it's rather low. But, you know, when we're hurting, when we're tempted to give up, when we're finding it hard to endure, psychology probabilities doesn't offer us a lot of comfort. Instead, we need to be reminded of the faithfulness of the Lord to us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. It's another verse many of you will be familiar with. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now most of us, myself included, when we read this verse, we focus on the front half of the verse. That's where it seems like the meat is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. So we talk about the need, rightfully so, to call out, to cry out to the Lord in times of need, to ask for his deliverance, to ask for his intervention. But did you catch that bit? He says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Paul says, are are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Then bring your request before the Lord. Yes, and, and give thanks. Why? Why is giving thanks so important when you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious? For giving thanks helps us to recall again the faithfulness of the Lord. Friend, is your current job search feeling overwhelming? Then give thanks to the Lord that he is providing for you as you wait. And so recall the faithfulness of the Lord in your life. Are you feeling inadequate as a parent? Then give thanks that the Lord has gotten you through previous speed bumps as a parent in the past. Give thanks for the fact that you have a support network around you who are praying for you or encouraging you. And so recall the faithfulness of the Lord to you. Are you discouraged that you're unable to see folks in your home group that you care about so deeply that mean so much to you? Then give thanks that the Lord brought these people into your life at just the right time when you needed it. And so recall the Lord's 
faithfulness to you. Let me close now with this last thought, and then we'll get ready to wrap up here. If you've ever seen my little son Sam enter the building on a Sunday, you know that when he sees me, often he'll sprint towards me, and and I'll, I'll grab him, and I'll lift him up into the air, and then throw him up into the air a few times. He's like 35 pounds, so it's, it's not a hard it's not a hard lift. And I, I don't know how this started, but that's just kind of our thing. He's usually at the 1030, so you might, might not have seen it. But he just runs in, and you know I throw him up a few times. And the reason why he does this each and every week, I'm convinced. The reason why week after week he, he just continues to run after me and sprint towards me and allow me to throw him up into the air, I'm convinced the reason why is because I've never dropped him. I've never dropped him. I've never thrown my son into the air and turned around to talk to my buddy of mine, hey, what's up, man, and forgot he was up in the air. It just hasn't happened yet, thankfully. Thankfully. There's still time. (laughs) There's a point to this, I promise. And friends, when life is hard, when our work day is just a grind that we're trying to get through, And when we feel overwhelmed at school or overwhelmed as we care for an elderly parent, when we're sick and in need of healing and we choose in that moment to practice thanksgiving, to give thanks, to recall to mind what the Lord has done for us, we're reminded in that moment, church, the Lord has never dropped me. He's never dropped me. Yes, he might have introduced or allowed hard things into your life. He might have might have introduced suffering into your life even. But as you recall the faithfulness of the Lord, as you recall how he's been there, you can say with confidence, the Lord, he's never dropped me. And so we can say to the Lord in that moment, I'm going to continue to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to continue to pursue the calling you have on my life. I'm going to continue to serve. I'm going to continue to live sacrificially. I'm going to continue to love others because I know that I'm not going to be asked to do it alone. I know, Father, I know that you will never drop me because I look and I see and I I reflect and I remember the track record that you have. I know that you're never going to drop me. I will keep going because I know that you're faithful and that your grace is enough. Friend, why do we practice thanksgiving? Why is that, this not just an additional add-on to the Christian faith? Why is this a necessity? Why is it essential? Because thanksgiving, it protects us from entitlements. And, and thanksgiving, it exalts the Lord. It glorifies the Lord. We're reminded that he is the ultimate source of everything we've been giving. And lastly, Thanksgiving, it helps us to endure, to walk well, to run hard after Jesus for the long haul. And so church, let us give thanks. Whether we're in a good spot or a hard spot this morning, as we worship in this last song, let us come to the Lord and with full hearts, with emotion, with passion, let us us thank the Lord together. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, why don't we stand together?